You're listening to the Not Your Grandmother's Book Club podcast, where we read them so you don't have to. Like the show? Become a patron at patreon.com forward slash nygbc. You should write a book, Fry. People need to know about the can eat more. getting this book on UFOs. Did you know they're real? But there's a huge comic conspiracy to cover it up. Oh, that's just a paranoid fantasy. I want to be a book that you can pick me up, flip through my pages, make sure nobody drew wieners in me. Hello and welcome to the Not Your Grandmother's Book Club Podcast. We read them so you don't have to, because Bad Books Anonymous just turned us into sanctimonious pricks without curing us. My name is Kevin, and I'm joined as always by my co-host Benedict, who wishes for me to assure you that fish are indeed friends, not food. Benedict, what's your go-to bowl of warm winter brew? You're like a, like a stew or a soup, something to, to warm you up on a cold day. I... What are you going for? Okay, first of all, I want to take exception to the, the thing you, you said in the intro by implying that I haven't always been a sanctimonious prick. I don't I take exception <laughs> to that, first of all. And I then, thought you were going to say that fish are food. No, well, that is also true. Yeah, fish stew is my go-to. No, I'm kidding. Um, I think it's probably like a curry, to be honest. Okay. Like not, a, not what I would think of, like a stew or something, yeah. and more like, you know, split pea soup. Ew, or a bowl of chowder, or a probably, chicken soup. Okay, like a, a chili then, like a bean chili, probably. Mm, like a bean chili. Not yeah. bad, not bad. What about you? Uh, I got to go for nine times out of ten, uh, split pea with ham. That's my go-to. Ooh. Love yeah. me some split pea with ham. I hate ham. I don't know. I see your, I see your face doing that. I it's just ham. soup. Well, you I hate ham? Know, but what, yeah, why would you boil meat? That's disgusting. No, um... I don't know why I don't know why you would voluntarily boil meat. It seems very strange to me. Because it ex- it extracts juices and they get into no, the it water. It's, it's called creating a broth. Yeah, but then no, 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 but ham in itself to be created is boiled as a, as a meat. What? So you're du- you're double boiling what? meat. No, that's not how ham is made. What is yeah, wrong? Is. I just remembered that you're British. No, ham should not be boiled Definitely to be created. Is. No, that's how you they don't boil ham. Okay. <laughs> ham is Maybe smoked or salt cured, <laughs> depending on whether it's country ham or city ham. It's uh, not city bo- ham. I'm just imagining you, you like going to like the, the ham factory, I think is how you imagine it in your mind. Uh, yeah, and there's just boil big it. boiling cauldrons where they're just dunking ham. That's exactly how <laughs> ham is made. No, it's not. Yeah, it is. It's absolutely not how ham is made. All right. Well, you're no, boi- no, you're boiling it you're, at least once. So. You're a hundred percent wrong. You're a hundred percent wrong. Okay. It's not how ham Look is made. Look it up. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Ham that comes in like a metal tin that you cut open. Yeah, I guess that's how that ham is made. Google. But that's not how ham. a proper ham is made. No, not like a like a prosciutto or like a. But ham is boiled generally. No. No, it is not. Sure. And I am so disgusted with you for thinking that. Fine. You can think what you want to think. I am telling you that ham is made by boiling the meat. Okay. Well, you're just wrong there. But 
anyway, everyone write this... to Kevin and tell him how ham is made because I don't think he knows. <laughs> this show is not about uh, Benedict being wrong about food. <laughs> this is the show where we dig down into the apple barrel for the one rotten apple of right wing thought down at the bottom. Why That's do we the most that? accurate Again. analogy. That's the most accurate analogy I've come up with so far. Hoping, praying that it wouldn't be rotten and finding it was somehow more rotten than we thought <laughs> yes, it was. That's, uh, that's yeah, exactly what it that's is. That's about right. Uh, but Benedict, would you like to start us off this week with your hot take? Yeah, university grades is not grades that ham is boiled. Confusing. No, well, maybe it is. <laughs> university grades are confusing. And I just want everyone to know this, that anyone that's considering going to study in the UK, they have to have a remedial class for Americans where they're like... <laughs> No, no, seriously. Where they're like, no, I'm not by surprised. The way, I'm not surprised by no, that. No, but uh, as in that it's a remedial class in which they say, by the way, you're going to get like 60% on your first first thing. Don't worry. <laughs> That's about as well as anyone ever does. The Americans <laughs> all come over and like, oh, I need to get between like 90 to 100%. I'm smart. I'm doing a master's. I know what mm. I'm talking about. And then the professors in the UK are like, actually, you don't know anything. You fool. And then that's about where we get to. So it's basically like 70 is the out of 100 is the best mark anyone will ever get. In Now, well, if I no, recall, 80, 80 out of 100 is the if best If I recall, mark you and your get. wife met while she was visiting Oxford from the United States. So what you're telling me is she got bad grades. <laughs> we all got bad grades, Kevin. <laughs> we all got bad grades. Okay. Okay. That's right. <laughs> what about your hot take? Anyway, confusing. First of all, yes. second of all, grading on a curve, I don't understand, and that's stupid. It's it's just about making us compete against each other. It's what they hate do to that. us in law school because they hate, hate that. Us. Yep, yep. Uh, my hot take this week, say no to snow. Mm. Uh, snow is bad. It is currently snowing outside of my window here in D.C. It's a light snow. It's pretty wet, so it's probably going to go away. But I am, uh, as I've said many times, a born and raised Californian, which means that I wear sandals year round. I don't care how cold it is outside. I am going outside with sandals because I'm not going to be walking a mile down the street. I'm walking around the corner to the store. So I would wear sandals in 40 degree weather. I don't care. But snow is a step too far. Uh, You know, when the when you start getting contact with the the snow and the feet, it gets gets to be a problem. So this is really just mushy and cold. You get all the salt (laughs) that they put down in your feet as well. It's disgusting. You need like the little, the little boots that the dogs wear so that you don't get salt in your, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Exactly. That's what I have. I have those little dog booties. Uh, (laughs) My hot day this week is just my way of complaining uh, that all this snow stuff you people have here on the East Coast is wrong and you should stop it. I'm I'm done. (laughs) done with it i'm really i'm losing my tolerance with you people okay all right benedict anyways what's on your bookshelf this week bookshelf this week is eric larson uh really any book by eric larson but i guess i'll mm. specifically recommend devil in the white girl with the dragon but... tattoo no, um, no, the other no, ones you, we've yep. talked about this yep. before we recorded you're being facetious <laughs> deliberately it's very unlike you you're normally mm-hmm. so <laughs> so so unfacetious and uncompromising um no so the the he's a historical he used to be a journalist i think uh similar to see glasson actually interesting um mm. used to be a you journalist ever seen the two of them in the same room together well steve glasson is extremely dead unfortunately <laughs> eric glasson is not so um, so you haven't seen them in the no, same room together correct not recently um <laughs> and is now a historical uh well a history writer 
I've been told not to call him a historical fiction writer. Apparently that's mm-hmm. a faux pas because everything he writes is true, but he just makes interesting stories about the characters that he's writing about and does a lot of research. So Devil in the White City is about the uh, acclaimed serial killer. The serial killers acclaimed, famous, infamous serial killer, H.H. <laughs> H. Holmes, who built a murder, murder castle that's super famous, infamous, ab- around the Chicago World's Fair. And there are like half the chapters are about the World's Fair. And it's kind of weird because you go from like murder, serial killer, ah, to like, how should we construct this giant building and everyone's like oh maybe i'll just skip this chapter and like it's the kind of thing where if it was on its own i'd be like oh interesting it's about the chicago world fair but then because every other chapter is a murder chapter i'm like gotta get to the murder chapter skip the boring architecture (laughs) stuff so anyway it's a good book and everyone should read it oh they're going with a greek arch fuck that killer killer i know how you (laughs) read (laughs) corinthian columns no Ionic or get the fuck out. Oh, God. Classical I'm education. Waiting. I'm waiting on you to ask. I'm waiting on you I, to ask. I was finishing my joke, and then you were like, why haven't you asked me why my favorite book is? What's your bookshelf, Kevin? Well, now that I'm going <laughs> to edit out that 30 seconds of snark in between. <laughs> uh, mine this week, I'm going back to the year of the anime, the year of the manga. Uh, and I'm recommending One, One Punch Man uh, by the, the writer O-N-E. I have no idea if, the, if it's supposed to be pronounced one or if it's O-N-E, but it's, it's an anonymous online writer uh, who came up with this, this uh, One Punch Man manga that was then later turned into, well, it was a webcomic turned into a manga and then it's turned into an anime. It's really good. It's about a superhero who has never been able to not defeat anyone with a single punch. So he's incredibly bored with being a superhero. And it's just this this intense malaise and desperately trying to find a challenge is what the entire story is about. It's wonderful. I really recommend you go check it out. The anime is great, too. It's a whole lot of fun. So go check out One Punch Man uh, wherever you want to go. Anyways! housekeeping this week remember to rate and review us on itunes if you haven't already follow us on the social medias at nygbc pod uh, of course become a patron over at patreon.com forward slash nygbc now there are probably other places where people can rate and review us right not yeah, yeah wherever, rate and review wherever, wherever you listen yeah, exactly. rate and review on the places all the all the spots ah but we have stuff coming up that is exciting first off we have decided that the january patron only bonus episode uh, which, again, is for patrons only, uh, is going to be the recently released and then retracted 1776 Project, uh, which is delightful. I don't know. I know you had a chance to look to peek at it the other day. It's terrible. Um, you, didn't, you didn't really look it over, but you did tweet me a quote from it that you found it amusing. It was bad. It was pretty bad. And I have the entire thing printed out. It's been sitting on my desk for a while, uh, and I flipped through it some. It's really great, and I think the people involved with it are what's even more interesting to me about it. So that's going to be the January patron-only bonus we're going to do uh, coming up a little later. And that one, it might slip over into February, depending on how much time we can get together to record. We'll see what we can do. Uh, But also, the more exciting thing for me, which we're recording soon, uh, probably this upcoming weekend, is our review of Dinesh D'Souza's newest documentary, in heavy air quotes, Trump Card, which I just watched over the weekend, and it is everything I ever wanted out of a Dinesh D'Souza documentary it is outstanding i am not excited i know you're not but we're going to be joined by our good friend morgan stringer who's going to do it with us it is 
I mean, name a Dinesh D'Souza trope. His wife singing a terrible song, bam, in there. Him credibly believing people telling him absolutely false bullshit, bam, it's in there. Bad Abraham Lincoln reenactments, bam, it's in there. This movie has it all, and I'm so excited. <laughs> so we'll be getting to that. We'll be doing it this weekend, uh, and we'll probably wait a week or two to release it. Patrons, of course, will get it early. Uh, so that's going to be a whole lot of fun, and uh, you, get to, you get to hear Benedict suffer through the entire thing. <laughs> I can't wait. So now, last item on housekeeping this week is, of course, the drawing of who wins our copies of the last book we did, Ben Shapiro's The Right Side of History. And I have, oh, as Benedict the bowl can see, again. I can see the in a bowl. bowl. I have a yep, bowl. Love it. Inside are folded up post-it notes with the names of our patrons on it. And I think we mentioned this before, but the winners of the last copies are not entered into this drawing. They will be in the next book drawing. So I will raise it above my head. Is Benedict can confirm? I can, yep. I shall reach in and withdraw a single name. A single name. Whose book is this? And this is, is this? this is for your book. Okay, my uh, book. Sure. The first name is Becky Scott Fairley. All right. One Benedict's copy of The Right Side of History. Now, the second Good drawing stuff. for my copy of the book. Reaching in, bowl above my head, as you can see. Withdrawing a name. Holding it in front of the camera. Second one goes to A.J. Brantley. All right. The second copy of The Right Side of History. Thank you all, as always, for being our patrons. We love you. We want to do more fun stuff for you in the future. So remember, spread the show out to wherever you can. Tell everybody to listen. And, of course, become a patron if you aren't already. But Benedict, all that stuff out of the way. Finally, what have we been waiting for? Our recap. Yeah, of what yes. we suffered that's through. sure. That's yeah, <laughs> the thing we for already last, did for the last six weeks. The last several months, we suffered through Ben Shapiro's book. We're not going to spend a whole lot of time because we talked about it at a little bit at the end of the last uh, review episode. Mm-hmm. So I just want to, now that we've had a week or two to think it over, to, to digest a little bit better, what, how do you feel about the book? You're What's really your number one giving... takeaway? Giving me way too much credit for the amount of thinking about this I've done in the last two weeks. Well, what do you come away from the book with? It's kind of, it strikes me as, let's get serious. I've, I've gone into my serious pose where I'm leaning on one hand as I think about what I talk about. Um, real, real visual gag for the podcast. The thinker, of course. Yeah, yes. exactly. Um, it, it, it strikes me as quite an unserious book. And I think we knew that, but I think it was more unserious than i was expecting it to be just in the sense of it tries to take on too much and therefore takes on nothing of interest right it's just like a roller coaster through history in which we get like the highlights of the various things that ben doesn't like without actually engaging in like the wider context of those things or like what the potential good of those things is so it's written for it's not only written for ben's base but it's written for like a very specific substrata of ben's base where it's like the people who think they want to know about philosophy but don't really want to know about philosophy right yeah or like well, the history i mean of philosophy it's like it's the facts don't care about your feelings crowd in the sense that it's like it's not even that, I don't think. It's the I'm smarter than you crowd. It's like the I've heard of Descartes crowd of Ben's <laughs> base. Like, I no, know it's the, it's something the Sun Tzu about crowd. Descartes. It's the Sun yeah, Tzu crowd. Yeah, yeah. yeah probably. probably. Like, have you ever read Sun Tzu, bro? That crowd. 
Well, um, you know, you and I have spent far more years in college. Machiavelli. Yes, yes. You and I have spent far more years in college than any reasonable person ever should. should. Yep. Uh, and we've done a lot of academic reading. And I, I'd say Too that much. it pretends to be an academic book. And I think that's certainly what he thinks it is. Yeah. I think, it, I think Shapiro thinks it's an academic work. But to really accomplish... Well, even if he was to do just an honest try, try to do what the book sets forth to do, which is to prove that there is a common core of Western civilization, mm -hmm. uh, which is, again, a nonsense phrase we've said many times, and that it trickles through all these ways that he claims, it would have to be a 10-volume set of 500-page yeah. books individually. Yeah, like Bertrand he, Russell's History of Western Philosophy, which he doesn't mention once. Right. So he wants to put forth something that looks academic, and I will say it is probably— it the right notes. It, his crowning achievement. I don't think he will ever write a book that is better received among its intended audience than that one. That is yeah, his maybe. his best-selling book as far as I've been able to find. Clearly it's, you've never it's... read his novel. <laughs> no, I have not. But I don't think he'll ever have that sort of success again. So I think it's the capstone on a unfortunately long career, even for someone who's only in his late thirties. I don't remember how old he is off the top of my head. Something like that. Early forties? I think he's early I think he's like forty one. I don't remember. Doesn't exactly. matter. Couldn't care less. Doesn't matter. But I think, like I said, he tries to be academic. This is the closest he could possibly come. And he's done. And it doesn't it doesn't really achieve like we said, it doesn't achieve anything. It doesn't prove anything. And it's it's rather lazily written for the intended purpose. Uh, this, I would say the stated purpose, but I think there's a difference between the stated purpose and the intended purpose, right? Mm -hmm. The stated purpose of the book, I think, is sort of what he writes in the introduction about how he's going to prove these things. The intended purpose is really just to provide that sort of halfway intellectualism for right-wing conservatives who already intrinsically believe these things but don't know how to state them. Yeah. I think that's really what the intended purpose was, and it probably achieves that pretty well. Yeah, I think, I mean... It thinking about it, it, it it's popular history and in, in academic guise is what it is yep. so it, it it's a facsimile of like what an academic book might look like with the way it's footnoted and quotes experts supposed experts but like not really and even then it doesn't engage with the ideas particularly it doesn't pr present the there's no dialectic approach to everything not that everything has to be dialectic but you know there's no thesis antithesis synthesis it's just like these people were wrong and i'm right it's literally like thesis <laughs> antithesis and the antithesis is correct like that's yeah that's, that's a, how, uh, how this say. goes yeah. and that i think that's all we need to say right we can be done we can be done with yeah, him forever think, we never have I, to deal with with ben shapiro again i think i think it's worth reading just for to know what for, your dad yeah. has on his bookshelf yeah 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 and uh, well just to know like not everyone who knows who descartes is is knows what descartes thought i think that's <laughs> yes. it. just because you know who someone is doesn't mean you know what they they thought and you know i i think that that is like we and we talked about this before like being able to name facts does not make you smart yes and that, that is conservatives that is think that intelligence is knowing trivia facts yeah which as someone who knows trivia facts you know who am i to disagree <laughs> but it that's not the case so there you go well, Benedict, with all that out of the way, why don't we move on to our next item on the agenda? Today's the one you program, actually are excited about. <laughs> what we are doing today, we are introducing our next topic in our next book for our review, next which guest? is 
<laughs> next guest. Uh, Arguing with Socialists by Glenn Beck. Now, Benedict, what do you know yes. about Glenn Lee Beck? Um, not a lot, actually. So, like, I know he he's the whiteboard guy, mm. the original whiteboard guy. Hey, hey, um, it's a fucking chalkboard. I know that Colbert always <laughs> used to make fun of the whiteboard, chalkboard, whatever. Yep. And then I know he did his weird apology tour with Sam B. in 2016 yep. when it seemed like the winds were changing for Republicans. He and was then trying to be went, young and hip again. Yeah. yeah. But then everyone went, oh, no, we can just be like Trump and everyone will like us. And that's we don't actually have to back away from these terrible ideas in any way. So that's fun. Well, um, what's the earliest awareness of Glenn Beck that you have uh, that you can remember? Uh, just uh, probably via Colbert just doing like the the parodies of his chalkboard okay. stuff or john stewart probably john stewart or colbert like that i i don't think i ever engaged directly with glenn beck but i was aware of him because the people that i watched made fun of him now i on the other hand yeah. have a different experience yes. with glenn beck because glenn imagine. beck came into public prominence right around 2008 2009 right when i was hitting my stride as a right-wing douchebag uh, and that's that's really when he sort of took off. And so one of the first actual conservative polemic books I remember reading was the precursor to the book we're reading now, which was called Arguing with Idiots. Oh, and nice. I think if I remember, and I'm just trying to think back to like the cover of it, it was obviously red. And I think there was like a, a Soviet hammer and sickle motif in the, the lettering Fun. for the name, which is, is sort of similar to what he's done uh, with this book, the new one that we're doing now, right? Uh, obviously, he doesn't. He, he has sort of the, what we've called in the past. Um, well, we haven't called. We haven't done the. It's Russian text, right? He's got the the Russian text where the R is backwards, uh, and it's sort of yeah. that faux. But that, that that's not actually an R. <laughs> that's a yeah. No, no. So yeah, I'm aware. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know, think I he's aware either. of that. No. I don't. I don't think he is aware of that. But we're aware of that. Um, so he's sort of done the same. It's motif the Borat one, text, but... is what it is. Yes, right? exactly. The, yeah. Borat text. It's Borat text. So uh, I was aware of him a long time ago, 2009. Mm. Oh God, a decade, more than a decade ago. Wow, how times have changed. So I was aware of him back then. I wasn't a huge listener of his radio program, but I was aware definitely of his Fox News show, which I watched semi-regularly. And of course, of his books, which as I've said already, I had read in the past. So Glenn Beck, let's give you an introduction to Glenn Beck, let you know a little bit more about him. So he was born on February 10th, 1964. That makes him okay. uh, 56 years old. 57 oh, next month, I think. 56. No, he's got that shocking white hair. Yeah. Um, his parents mm. owned a, a local bakery in Mount Vernon, Washington, which is 40-ish miles from the, the Canadian border. Uh, okay. And he was raised in a pretty Catholic household, went to a Catholic private sure. school. And in 1979, his mother drowned while they were out on a small boat oh, with a man. male companion. Just, just she was out on the boat. Um, it may have been a suicide, and Beck certainly believes that it was. He said so in, in public statements. Okay. Um, shortly after his mother's death, his stepbrother committed suicide. Oh, and gosh. according to Beck, that's when his drinking problem started, his drinking oh, and man. drug problem. Now, he spent a lot of years following that. According to his own accounts and people who have backed it up, doing a lot of drugs and a lot of alcohol. So okay. that's a big part of his history. He is reportedly clean now, got clean in the, the late 90s, early 2000s. Good for him. Um, the extent of his education is high school, 
and a single theology class, which he dropped out of at Yale University, uh, after Joe Lieberman, who was a Yale alumnus and a listener of his show, uh, contacted Yale for him and gave him got permission for him to audit the class. Oh, fine. So he, he took like one class on, I think it was early Christology, Oh, cool. Dropped out a couple weeks in or something okay. like that. All right, all so, right. by the way, nothing wrong doesn't mean you're not smart. Again, as we just yeah. said, if you just because you only have a high school education, okay, let on absolutely. Me. You, you don't have to have a formal education to be an intelligent person. Unfortunately, we will find that Beck probably would have benefited from it because he does <laughs> not have the independent intelligence. Uh, so while he doesn't have a, a formal education, he has commonly talked about how he educated himself by reading extensively from the works of six particular authors kevin quick question off for before, you. before you do that would uh, would right-wing douchebag kevin have also talked about how he educated himself yes he would have. yeah okay yes cool, he cool, absolutely cool, cool, would cool. have all right that, how uh, many of those <laughs> names would uh, would have been on this list as well oh none no okay. right-wing douchebag kevin did not read any of these he was okay. not smart enough for that okay. uh, or not not uh not inspired enough i guess something like Let's that do to, to okay, do any independent go, work uh, is it sun tzu and machiavelli no Please no i wish i wish okay. it's close though it's close okay, alan okay. dershowitz Okay. All right. Good, good, uh, good, good. Great, great, great. Pope John Paul II. Oh, interesting. I didn't know he was a big author. Let's keep uh -huh. going. Billy Graham. Yeah, fair enough. Okay. Carl Sagan. Oh, wow. That's an interesting game. name on that list, Certainly right? Certainly an interesting name on that list. Was not expecting Carl Sagan. Wow. Okay. Next name, Frederick Nietzsche. Oh, okay. Which I do right. not believe he properly understood when he All read right, it. All right, yeah. last name on the list, Adolf Hitler. Oh, good. Okay, <laughs> cool. Yep. <laughs> <sighs> what is it with right wingers and claiming to have read all of Hitler's works? Yeah, what? Because weird. I think they, they oh, you got to know the enemy. There's something like that in there. Uh -huh, but yeah, yeah, <laughs> really, yeah, the enemy. Yeah, yeah. No, I don't like any of this. Definitely, That's, they read uh, the Wikipedia ooh. summary of Mein Kampf, Probably, and they're like, ah, yeah. I know Hitler. I get it now. That's. Uh, I mean, clearly <laughs> not. I love that. I love that. So in 1999. Uh, he married his second wife, Tanya, and went on a spiritual tour to find a church, eventually ending up joining the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, otherwise known as the Mormons. And he is oh, a practicing really? Mormon to this day. Yeah, okay. there's, a, there's for some reason, uh, there's a strong, and I, I, I don't know enough to say why, there's a strong right-wing political undercurrent in Mormonism. And I can think of an, a bunch of things it probably has to do with, the latent racism that was present in the LDS church up until, what, the 70s when they finally let black people be a part, whatever yeah. it was. I mean, I feel like right-wing right, right -wing conservatism just is, runs through a lot of religions, honestly. Yes. Yeah, yeah. T to be fair. But for some reason, there's a lot of, of very public out there Mormon right wing figures. I don't know why that is exactly, but and especially as we're going to get into a little bit in the libertarian branch, mm. there's a lot of, like uh, the the remember the the standoff at the bird uh, preserve, uh, uh, Clive and Bundy. That's a yes, whole big Mormon I fan. I remember Bundy. all those guys. Okay. So as far as career goes, after graduating high school, he started working in radio. And skipped around from station to station, uh, going from Corpus Christi, Texas, to Louisville, Kentucky, Phoenix, Baltimore, and eventually ending up in Tampa Bay, Florida, around the year 2000. And he usually hosted, you know, he hosted a variety of shows, but generally he was drive-time radio or the midday shift, and he was the typical wacky shock jock kind of guy. Are you Ew. familiar with that? I don't know what, what UK radio is like. But no, I, I mean, we don't really have that, but I know who Howard The Stone Morning is, Zoo, so. you don't have a yeah. lot of that? No, no. Well, 
to give you an idea, I know who Howard like. Stern is, though. So yes, you know. yes, yes. This is a little different than Howard Stern. Uh, I managed to find an old radio commercial from him when he was on uh, Y ninety five on Phoenix Radio with Tim Hattrick. Okay, in I feel like nineteen eighty six. When when we get when we do these episodes where we have clips, I feel like I should be allowed one veto. <laughs> where as soon as soon as it, and like i don't know when i'm gonna i don't i don't hear all the clips first but if uh, i am just so disgusted by the start of a clip <laughs> i can be like veto not this one and then the other ones might be worse after that well i'm they sorry might well i'm sorry you no? don't get a veto on this one okay. you don't get all a veto right. we, got, we have to agree to these terms beforehand okay like mitch mcconnell and chuck schumer are trying to do so we start off this is a, a tv commercial that aired for their oh. radio show okay. in 1986 here you go the new Y95 Morning Zookeepers, Glenn Beck and Tim Hattrick. We told our bosses right up front, we don't need gimmicks to sell the new Y95. We've got a better mix of music, great DJs who don't yak too much. Plenty of easy concerts yeah. for you to around, around the studio. And more continuous music. Plus and there's a chimp. With us, there's a chimp walking on the Y95 airborne traffic <laughs> And report. special zoo guests. Yeah, you never know who will So hey, with all that talk on the new Y95, who needs gimmicks? The new Y95 needs music and very few gimmicks. I presume there, there are a lot of gimmicks, yeah. <laughs> there are a lot right. of gimmicks. Yeah, so right. that, the reason why I play that is that, at his core, is who Glenn Beck is. He is yeah. a drive-time radio Look, zoo we don't crew judge, guy. We don't judge people for their first jobs on this, uh, on this podcast, Kevin. Well, uh, let me give you a little more detail about some stuff he did while doing those jobs. Okay, now, let's do it. In 1987, when he was on that station, Y95 hosting the Phoenix Morning Zoo, he started a rivalry with the local pop station. Now, as, you know, that happens from time. I remember growing up, there were rivalries between because the, the morning drive. everything guys. is wrestling. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And uh, this rivalry didn't end quite as well, I think, okay. as, as some others some. may have. Okay. Possibly because it ended with Beck calling the wife of his opponent live on the air and mocking her recent miscarriage. Oh, that's bad. Stay that's classy, really Glenn. Yeah, no, Stay that's not great. Stay classy, Glenn. And uh, I don't have I don't have audio of that. That's uh, good. We shouldn't play that on the podcast. I would prefer nope, that we didn't. Nope, nope. But I do have a quote, uh, which comes from a Daily Beast article, uh, where he says, "When Terry said yes, Beck proceeded to joke about how Bruce Kelly, the uh, the opponent, uh, apparently can't do anything right. He can't even have a baby. So that's, that's a lot. That's bad. Yeah, that's that sucks." Presumably, he's very pro the sanctity of life. Yes, of course our, he our is. Glenn Beck, of yeah. Our Glenn Beck was a piece of shit from early on. So cool. in 1995, he also uh, got into a little bit of a kerfuffle uh, and was protested by local groups. I don't remember what okay. station this was on exactly. After he mocked a caller who called in uh, with an Asian accent uh, by playing the gong sound effect and having his producer do the mock Chinese accent. Oh, good. Also, not great. Not great. Who has a gong sound effect ready to go also? <laughs> you, my friend, are unfamiliar with the morning zoo. <laughs> sure. Every morning zoo in the United States has a gong sound effect ready to go. At the push. Zoo? There is a morning zoo in every city. Every That's city disgusting. has a morning zoo, and they all call them the zoo crew. That's why it's it's one of those running jokes on you know shows like uh, Parks and Rec, right? They had the zoo crew or, or all that kind of stuff. Mm. It was Crazy anyway, Ira and the Douche. Crazy Ira and the Douche. Right, they were making fun of zoo crews. Yeah. Uh, anyways, so in 2000, he finally ended up in Tampa, Florida, as I said, hosting the Glenn Beck Program, a program that finally had his name slapped on it. And on September 14th, 2001, 
Oh, Glenn a Beck famous, was uh, presumably a, not a great date for Glenn. Not a great, but but a few days before, right? So let's 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 rewind. Let's go to September famous, 10th. Famous moments in history. Yeah. On September 10th, 2001, Glenn was preparing for something that would occur on September 14th. He was going to dive into the shark tank of the Tampa Aquarium live on air. Did he still do it after September no, 11th? No, he did not. No, he did not. Because, of course, on the 11th, something very big happened. 9-11, of course. And yep. this is where everything sort of changed for Glenn Beck, as far as I've been able to find. He'd always had sort of a right-wing patriot character as his on-air persona, which mm-hmm. he did sort of mockingly. But by all accounts that I was able to find, his coverage on 9-11, the actual day, was received pretty well. He was empathetic. You know, he tried to help get people through the day and sort of may have helped to propel his career. Um, It's not clear. He might have been in the talks at the time to get national, uh, to actually go live on multiple stations around the United States. But whatever the way it happened, by 2002, he went nationwide to 42 stations. So that's when he started getting real national exposure. Okay. Shortly after that, just a few later, years later, in 2006, his primetime show, Glenn Beck, aired on Headline News, the okay. CNN sister station. I don't think I knew uh, that he was as recent an arrival as that. I think I assumed he'd been... Like, to me, he's like Rush Limbaugh light. So, like, it just in my head. And this is completely my own right. perception. I'm aware of that. But, like, to me, he's just kind of always been around. And I think maybe that's just because he's been around my, my entire political politically aware life yeah but that's quite recent really 2006 i know it's 15 years ago now but like as far as getting on tv yeah but remember he was on 42 stations in 2002 and that number probably went up year after year so he got a lot of national exposure and talk radio in the united states still pretty big and was definitely big way back then and that's especially for the right-wing sector talk radio still huge was huge way back then so in 2008 a couple years after being on HLN, he announced he'd be moving to Fox News. And that's okay. where all of us came to know and love uh, Glenn Beck, where his show finally aired in 2009. And in 2009, okay. he also did a couple other things. He launched something called the 912 Project. And the 912 Project was supposed to symbolize the day after 9-11, as well as nine principles and 12 values oh. that Glenn Beck thinks are, are central uh, to, to any followers of it. Now, the, the, the nine, I'm going to tell you. The nine right. principles. The nine principles are, one, America is good. Okay, that's a good that's stop. <laughs> number two, principle I number believe one. in God. <laughs> I believe in God and he is the center of my life. Principle number one, I am a small blonde man who is going to tell you what I think. <laughs> principle number yes. two, America <laughs> is a landmass. Principle number, number two, three. fuck you atheists. <laughs> yeah. Uh, number three, I must always try to be a more honest person than I was yesterday. Okay, this is number- like this is like the foundational <laughs> text for Jordan B. Peterson's 12 Rules for Life. Oh, it gets better. It gets better, my friend. Number four, the family is sacred. My spouse and I are the ultimate authority, not the government. Okay. That's not, that's just fundamentally untrue. <laughs> Yep, yep. Number five, if you break the law... That's why the... I lock people up in my basement, because I have authority <laughs> in this house. Not the government. Number four, uh, four, five, what am I on? Five. <laughs> Number if four. You break the law, if you break the law, you pay the penalty. Justice is okay. blind and no one is above it. No, number three, the government has no power. But number four, you must obey everything the government says. <laughs> yes, yes. Number six, I have a right to life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness. But there is no guarantee of equal results. 
Okay, that's a very libertarian. Yes, yes, it is. Number seven, I work hard for what I have, and I will share it with who I want to. Government cannot force me to be charitable. And that's where the shouting starts. <laughs> yeah, unless, uh, uh, unless that's the law, in which case I must obey the law, as per point number six. Yes, yes. Number seven, it is not un-American for me to disagree with authority or to share my personal opinion. Sure. And and number nine, the government works for me. I do not answer to them; they answer to me. So this um, is this is so drunk like, uncle it, trying to explain like, the values he lives by. It's it's number one, America is good and its government is good. Number two, fuck the government. Number three, I'm the boss. <laughs> number four, fuck the government. Number five, my money is my money. Number six, my wife makes the rules in this house. Number seven. <laughs> Fog the government. Number eight, I can do whatever I want. And number nine, I am the ultimate authority, but the government gets to tell me what I'm allowed to do if it's a law. Yes, yes. That's a good And the, the 12 them. values, the 12 values are born. They're just honesty, reverence, hope, thrift, humility, charity, sincerity, moderation, hard work, courage, personal responsibility, and gratitude. So that's uh, that's all there is to the the twelve values, which uh, there, you know, there's really no difference. He doesn't understand the difference between principles and values, or if there no, even is a difference. No, those also aren't really principles. Most of those. No, no, they're not. So he also did something else interesting in 2010. He launched Beck University, oh, uh, which fun. featured classes such as presumably Faith not an accredited university, not an accredited university. It was in fact. An online video service that you had oh. to subscribe to his premium platform to have so access to. Similar to what you might say PragerU is, then. It is exactly PragerU, but it wasn't free. Oh. So, <laughs> as far as I can tell, it didn't last very long. I always and it wonder wasn't, how, uh, very how much money people make doing these things. You know, well, like, like the... when, when people, like, just doing anything almost, like, like anything grifty, like, even stupid shit, like putting memes on t shirts. Like, how much do people make doing that? Like, the Bernie meme that went viral. And now, like, he's... Oh, well, I, I, I don't know about you, but I bought 20 Bernie sitting cross-legged uh, T-shirts the other day just uh, to have them, you know, in my closet, just in case you need to well, change a tire I, or something. I hope you bought them... It's on, handy to have it around. ...on Bernie's site, because all proceeds <laughs> went to Meals on Wheels, if you did. Yes. Yes, no. Uh, I, I don't know. I do know that Glenn Beck is fantastically wealthy. Uh, he has not done bad, and certainly, even though his network, The Blaze, has not done outstandingly, uh, he fine. makes more than enough money to go home happy at the end of the day. I think that The Blaze is doing all right, to be honest. It's fine. It's certainly not what he thought it would be. It's not Fox News, no. No, no. He. There are times I, I found clips that I'm not going to play for you where he said things like, he thought that it would be the new New York Times. Oh. And, yeah, things like that. You have it's to hire journalists for that. <laughs> yeah, that's the problem he has. Uh, so, in, continuing on, in 2011, of course, that's when he finally decided to leave Fox News or was pushed out, whatever the case may be. And that's when do we, things do started Do we not rolling. know, or is it murky? I was unable to tell. Somebody might know. Okay. But uh, it is murky. Uh, it's unclear whether he was pushed out or whether he decided to go. Of course, he claims that he decided to go. Um, he was saying outrageous things his entire tenure on Fox News that got them into a lot of trouble. So it's unclear whether it was really a voluntary separation, as you might say. But of course, following that, he founded The Blaze, which is his current online platform and uh, television channel which is it's cool. on my TV for some reason. My uh, Samsung TV thing that I've talked about in the past, uh, right. I get the Blaze TV streaming Good channel, fun. which is, features things like Louder with Crowder <laughs> and Dave Rubin. Oh, and of no. course, his own daily show, which is, okay. is just wonderful. 
Is this so, an opportunity for me to make fun of Dave again? As much as you want. As much <laughs> as you want, because we're not doing his fucking book. <laughs> well, they, Glenn invited me onto his platform to discuss ideas, and now I'm excited to be here. That's a little overview of his history, but that's not all we want to know about Glenn, right? We okay, what else bit. do we want to know, Kevin? We want to know about his positions and where okay. he stands on things. And, of course, you know, going back to 2009 with that 912 project, that is inextricably linked to the Tea Party movement. Glenn Beck, okay. more than anybody else I would say that I can think of, other than maybe Sarah Palin, is inextricably linked to the Tea Party. Chris? Glenn Beck, of course, had all his hilarious uh, Fox News moments where he had put on the, the revolutionary clothes and stood there and made a bunch of melodramatic statements. And I will say for Glenn Beck, the man is a performer. That is probably the biggest compliment I will be able to give Glenn Beck over the next several months right. of us reviewing his stuff. The man is a performer. And when you watch clips of his old shows on Fox News in front of that chalkboard or whatever props he's using, he knows how to work the space. He knows how long to pause. He is an actor. He knows right. how to do that. But 2009, 2010-ish, we're talking Tea Party. And yep. so Glenn Beck... He didn't create the Tea Party, right? Remember that happened when somebody on the floor of the Chicago Mercantile Exchange shouted for a Tea Party or something like that, somebody who lost his damn mind. Um, and then, you know, these things, sort of things started sparking up with, of course, a ton of money from right-wing uh, people who were given a bunch, yeah, bunch yeah, of yeah, organizations yeah. with Coke in the name were given money to these Tea Party organizations. Ah, fun. Uh, and, of course, Glenn Beck sort of glommed onto that and became a de facto leader because he had a daily show on the radio and on the TV. And even though he pretended he wasn't being political and he wasn't part of the Tea Party movement, he most definitely was. It's part of that. Uh, and one of his shows on April 10th, 2009, Glenn Beck aired this message from Thomas Paine. Oh, okay, let's do it. You know, um, we were just talking in the break with the guests as they were getting ready to leave, and the, the book American Progressivism uh, by R.J. Pastrito is, it will just open your eyes, and you'll see how our founders <laughs> were just betrayed and, and buried in the dust. And I, I can't help but think what my great-great-grandfather used to say. <laughs> you know, I, I haven't told you this before, but my great-great-grandfather oh, uh, is Thomas Paine. <laughs> And we were like this. I mean, he really, he really was. He and uh, he was a great man. And of course, we were so close. I remember when he used to take me fishing. But that's a different story. If I could just channel my great, 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 great grandfather right now, gee, what would he say to America today? And here he is. The time for talk is over. Enough is enough. <laughs> Your democracy has deteriorated to government of the government, by the government, and for the government. On April 15th, that despicable arrogance will be soundly challenged for the whole world to see. Our friends will applaud it. Our enemies will fear it. In an unprecedented moment of citizen response not seen in recent history since December 7th, 1941, millions of your fellow Americans, neighbors, friends, relatives, will bring their anger and their determination into the streets from Bakersfield to Bangor, Maine, from Indianapolis to Dallas, in national tea parties, protesting much more than taxation without representation. They're rising above their differences. Okay, They're so marching the as Republicans or Democrats, <laughs> black or white. It's an angry, angry scream he wrote and had an actor portray for him uh the reference there to the 14th was the day of the December tea party yeah and the, then he the, references pearl harbor as well 
Right, right. So uh, okay. Thomas Paine would not have referenced Pearl Harbor. He would no, of course, pro- probably not have me- mentioned Bakersfield. No, uh, I, I um, also like that he had to be like and to, from Bakersfield to Bango, Maine, because nobody knows where that is. <laughs> <laughs> but so you get the idea of the sort of the sort of dramatic performances Very he's putting dramatic. on there. Very dramatic performances. Hitting high notes. Now it's important to also note a few of his consistent positions because he's he's been very consistent throughout the years about what he supports and what he's against mostly about what he's against because that's sure. what it's because about because that's, that's what these people do yeah that's what paleo libertarianism is about mm-hmm. is about being against everything so of course in his mind global warming is a hoax that's not a huge surprise but he's one of the loudest voices on that front he's against the federal reserve and supports a return to the gold standard that is a very paleo libertarian perspective mm-hmm. uh, sort of stuff you get out of ron paul and those sort of people who don't understand how anything works uh he definitely believes that obamacare had death panels in it despite years proving him wrong yeah uh, he is wildly islamophobic and of course he thinks george soros is a nazi oh which good <laughs> we're gonna get in the, in the mode of dinesh of in the very well i would say um, there's an interesting way how the George Soros stuff came about. And I would say it started more back in the Alex Jones arena. And mm. one of the things I want to highlight... As these things tend to do, by the way. As these things tend to do. Glenn Beck is the most comfortable that Fox News was able to get with inviting that sort of paranoid conspiracies into their actual network. Because he is very much... I, I don't think he disagrees with Alex Jones about much. Just that Alex Jones... Um, is a little more open about what he believes and says the quiet yeah. part out loud. I think that's basically the extent of the things that they disagree on because they talk about the same books. They have the same conspiracies. I mean, Glenn Beck wrote a book, a fiction book called Agenda 21, which is about a real thing. Agenda 21 mm-hmm. is a real thing related to the UN Sustainable Development Goals. Mm. But Alex Jones and Glenn Beck think it's a conspiracy to take over the United States and institute good, communism good, good, or whatever good, the fuck good, Yep, They're both that. on that same page. You hear Alex Jones talk about it a lot. The same thing with, you know, George Soros is Alex Jones's biggest enemy. If you had to pick the big bad, you know, you get into the boss fight, it's Alex Jones versus George Soros. Mm-hmm. That's who it is. And Glenn Beck is right on that same page, but he came about it a little after Alex Jones did. So I don't know if he was listening to Alex Jones or if he was aware of the thing. I mean, he probably did listen to Alex Jones from time to time to get ideas, I'm sure. But I think it's certainly that his corner of conservative, paranoid, libertarian right-wingers was definitely buying into that stuff, so he felt it was time for him to jump on board, which he did right around 2009-ish. And so this is, uh, or actually 2010, I'll say, late 2010. So in November of 2010, he aired a multi-day special called Puppet Master George Soros. Aimed at George Soros. That's not great. And we're going to listen to the introduction from day one of that special investigation of George Soros. America, tonight I ask you to watch this program with an open mind. No. I ask you to put your partisan differences aside (laughs) and really listen, and then do your own homework. Don't take my word for it. Oh, do your own research. Love that. Research yourself. This is far too important. The topic tonight and tomorrow night, George Soros. Hear that pause? things that are happening in this country that don't make sense. Van Jones said something that bothered me over the summer. I mean, he said a lot of things over the years oh, he that hates bothered Van Jones. me. But oh, one what a comment shock. in particular over the summer stuck with me, and it was this. You handle the top down, but it's also bottom up and inside out. 
top down, bottom up, and inside out. So now your challenge as you leave here, our challenge, is to take care of that bottom up part and that inside out part, the heart part. Now, I just got to pause because how could you possibly hate Van Jones' silky, smooth, sexy voice? Yeah. That Damn wasn't that the best I've ever heard Van Jones, to be honest. But that's no, fine. but God, I mean, I, we've, everyone knows the clip from Election Night 2016, right? Van Jones, that man can talk. And of course, he was a, uh, an advisor to President Obama early mm -hmm. on before quitting after people like Glenn Beck, and Glenn Beck was a big player in it, uh, accused him of various nonsense and pointing out that in the past he was a member of a socialist organization. Oh, and then he had supported someone who was on death row for not being executed who had killed a cop. So stuff like that. But we continue on. That's not, that bothered me because I know who this guy is. He's a communist revolutionary, a guy who, <laughs> who he pined. Spoiler alert. Days of no, no, Van Jones is not a communist revolutionary. <laughs> I love that though. Stalin. The pined for the days of Stalin. Yep. Well, it really bothered me until recently when I started looking into all the George Soros connections and the size and the scope of his reach. And let me tell you something. I, I said to you, read up on George Soros. There's and he's just holding books. To read about he's him. holding a bunch These of books. These are all books about George Soros, many of them written by him. What? So there's no shortage of information. And read them. Read them. The comment doesn't bother, any me, doesn't bother me anymore. I understand what it means. And that's why that comment now frightens me. Oh, and I will put it into so perspective. So the Van Jones comment. Tonight and tomorrow, pull back the curtain and reveal what that actually means. And it will terrify you. It's always great when people have to explain what other people actually mean in their fairly straightforward <laughs> sentences. I love that. Yes, and, and you can't see the screen, obviously. But what he's getting at now, he has a chalkboard with lines drawn yes. on it. And he's going to plop a bunch of names and pictures up there let's do it just missing the red string he's Good. just right. missing let's the red do it. string let's do it. <laughs> there's a couple of other things that you'll understand first of all in 2003 soros and a partner funded the new five million dollar liberal group moveon.org well moveon.org what, it. what exactly is that do the Koch brothers next <laughs> <laughs> yep yep like okay MoveOn.org, yeah, it got funding from, it got $5 million in funding from Soros. Not and that much. A bunch really. of other people. Yeah, like MoveOn gets a lot of money in donations yeah. from a lot of different areas, uh, and it does outstanding work. It's a good organization that pushes for progressive change. So, you know, fuck you, Glenn. What is that? Well, you remember it. This is the group that uh, originally called General Petraeus, General Betraeus. It was despicable. <laughs> How despicable? Well, who had they tapped? For the executive director of MoveOn.org, this guy, Zach Exley. I've never heard of him before. Do you know who he is? Well, he previously had trained activists for the anarchist group, ah. the Ruckus Society. Okay. These are the riots in Seattle. Helped orchestrate by this guy. More on that in just a minute. Oh, by the way, he's also a blogger. For the Huffington Ooh. Post. Oh no! Oh, a blogger oh, for the he's Huffington Post. He's a blogger for the Huffington Post. Wow. He's a blogger for the Huffington Post. Presumably, at a time when literally anybody could be a blogger. Yes, for the Huffington yes, Post. Yeah. that was what I was going to point out. Yeah. This is when the Huffington Post had their ill-fated and poorly thought-out blog section, where anyone could write on it and then claim they had something on Huffington Post. Yep. Oh God, that is that is the dumbest thing imaginable. I love that. I love it. this guy, Zach Exley. He uh, he worked for the Kerry campaign. 
he was chief revenue officer at Wikimedia. Right, he's done a bunch of different stuff. Uh, most of the stuff he's saying about him is, is conspiracy nonsense, of course. Which is interesting because the Huffington Post gets money from George Soros. Oh, and he's also a fellow with the George Soros Open Sir? Society Institute. Who Violent cares? radicals. Oh. Violent radicals? The George Soros Open Society <laughs> the Institute? The Open Society Institute? Wow. Whose entire goal is to, bring, <laughs> is to create democracy around the world? You gotta be fucking to be kidding fair, me. There have been plenty of uh, American organizations dedicated to bringing democracy to the rest of the world that have been a little violent, Kevin. Right. So, we call that the CIA. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so, the Open Society Institute is not one of those. No. It's, it's just a funding organization. Yeah, yeah. And by the way, it's just not that phrase that came. George Soros has been following him as he originally funded the Ella Baker Society. What so now he's got Van Jones. Man, Van Jones on the board. And of course, George Soros funded somewhere where Van Jones worked at once. So there's the connection there. Yeah. Billionaires spend a lot of money. Yeah. That is the entire that is the entirety of what you can learn from this nonsense. Billionaires put a lot of money in different places. And George Soros, right? If we were going to rank the billionaires. George Soros is on the benign end of this. As benign as you can get as a billionaire, I know. We can spend hours talking about billionaires being immoral in and of themselves. I don't care about that. Billionaires right are immoral, just for the record. If you're going to put them on a spectrum, George Soros is on the more benign end of the spectrum in as much as he supports pretty fucking progressive and good stuff. Generally, so, yeah. Glenn Beck is a raving fucking lunatic. Now we don't need to risk. There's about a minute left of that. We don't need to risk. I think to the wasn't rest of wasn't George Soros largely responsible for Black Wednesday in the UK? I don't know about Black Wednesday in the UK, but he does have some connections to uh, the, the financial crisis in Southeast Asia. Um, it's a, I don't know if those two are connected. I'm I'm, all, I'm pretty but, sure uh, he broke the UK economy in the nineties. Possible. And he he, he broke he it. broke the central bank. I think. Yeah. When billionaires make mistakes, they fuck up a lot of stuff. So that's a problem. The other thing you need to know about Glenn Beck is he is undeniably, just like Alex Jones, a right-wing huckster. If you've ever listened to right-wing radio, you know that it is constantly selling you survival supplies and gold. Those yep. are the bread and butter, if you will. Another thing, I always wonder radio. how much money they make on this. Oh, they, they make a lot of money on it. And most of the times, most of these gold organizations are pretty fucking shady. There's a lot of stuff going on at these gold sellers that is really, really shady. And Alex Jones got in trouble with this in the past. Glenn Beck has gotten into trouble with gold sellers in the past. They're always shysters. So here's a little book clip uh, from April 21st, 2011 of the Glenn Beck radio program where he's, he's uh, you'll see how quickly... He goes, first he's going to reference his gold a little bit, and then he's going to go into talking about uh, what he's shilling for now All that right, his listeners that. should buy. Uh -huh. Here is our uh, sponsor this half hour. It is uh, food insurance, foodinsurance.com. Ah. Food insurance? Uh, I know Dot that com. I had been, uh, well, we've been investigated by Congress with Goldline. Well, they, didn't, they didn't investigate uh, food insurance. I don't know why they... So he just mentioned there, foodinsurance.com. That was the sponsor at the time that he was shilling. And, of course, all the right-wing radio, Tucker Carlson, Alex Jones, Glenn Beck, Sean Hannity, they all have storable food people. They all are yeah, selling yeah, yeah, survival yeah. food. 
because right wing right wing radio listeners all believe the apocalypse is coming or the Democrats are coming to take your gun and apparently your freeze dried potatoes. So they're all selling gold and freeze dryable food for the inevitable apocalypse that is coming. He did also mention their gold line. Which yeah. I think is interesting uh, because he's portraying it as this, I can't believe we were investigated for Goldline. Well, Goldline, <laughs> as it turns out, is a pretty shady gold seller oh, okay. that ended up pleading guilty and settling with the Attorney General of California or uh, L.A. County uh, for uh, their practices uh, with regards to gold selling. So it's uh, it, that was following uh, the congressional investigation that happened. Uh, so not that surprising that there was an investigation um, and no. eventually something came of it uh, because you're dealing with shady gold sellers, Glenn. I'll do it. I didn't do that. But I know we were mocked by everybody for saying that you should have some food. Some food. Because, have some as food. I said, inflation is coming, and did a I, food crisis Kevin, is coming. Did inflation ever come? <laughs> inflation always comes. That's true. Eventually. <laughs> Nairobi. African nations are experiencing a surge in protest in Kenya and Uganda. What? Joining the fray, wheat prices have surged more than eighty-seven wow. percent in Sudan. So this is the strategy. This is how they do it. This is how the right-wing hucksters sell their stuff. First, they mention the sponsor. Or sometimes it goes the other way around, right? But they'll always have connected to it a story, which, however they portray it, is to inspire the listeners to go to whatever the product is that they're selling and purchase. Gotcha. And this one, it is, there's a famine in Nairobi. They're not getting as much wheat as they usually Seems do. Seems bad. So, of course, you, you, guy sitting on his couch or in his car. That's going to be no bread <laughs> in for Tampa you. In Tampa Bay, Florida. You need to go buy this freeze-dried garbage food that I'm trying Surely. to sell you. Rice is up 30% in Chad. Corn is up 25%. Uganda, Somalia, Mozambique, and Kenya. And as you all know, the we... World Bank president we, has advised nations to put food first on their developmental We agenda. pin our, our goods this? prices to what they cost in Africa, famously. <laughs> Same recommendation. I know this is not Uganda. I'm not sure he does. Uh, of course, it concerned don't figure out that this ain't Kenya. What? So there he's mocking his own good listeners. Stuff. Good stuff. <laughs> good, good. Anyway, that's that's that one. I have one more uh, clip right. that shows him uh, him hucking hucking products. Uh, and in this one, he's going to go from a thing to thing. From thing right, to thing, he's going to be pushing here. Just let it. He starts let it ride. off, and I'll let you know at the beginning here. When you when you hear the thing, you're going to know that he's holding up a copy of his most recent book, Broken. Okay. Or broke. I don't remember which one it is. In Washington. And you went out and you voted. The Tea Parties are making a huge, huge difference. Mm. Political solutions are available here. That's where he slaps but his cock. I want to talk to you about something different. A lot of people tell me, Glenn, I don't have a lot of money. I don't know what to do. Great. Let me give you a little hint on something. Somebody told me the other day that every, the average home in America, this is phenomenal. I, I can't believe this is true. The average home in America has $25,000 worth of stuff that they don't need or don't use. That is use. not true. Lying around. You've got it in boxes in your basement. <laughs> you have it in little used rooms. You, you just got extra stuff. I don't know if that's it's right. Not. But that isn't a number for the average millionaire. That's the average American, they no. say. Let's say that number is, uh, let's say the number, the real number is 12,500. Let's say the number is $5,000 of Maybe. stuff. Maybe. He has no idea how much stuff people have. Would that make a difference in your life? Think about what you could do with $5,000 to prepare. Could you pay down your debt? 
Could you go buy extra groceries and add food storage? Could you have an food extra storage? cushion just in case you lose your job? So he's telling people to go sell all the extra stuff in their house. <laughs> and then buy, <laughs> buy food, food storage. storage. Good, great stuff. I love how subtly he, he worked that yeah. in. Very good. Yeah, he goes on to, to promote uh, another sponsor. And this is during, this is the TV show. This is not the radio show. This is the TV show where he's promoting, he also promotes something called upillar.com. I didn't bother to look into it, uh, but there was some controversy because it was a sponsor of his radio show, but he wasn't disclosing that on the TV program when he brought it up. So there's an ethics issue there. Um, so continuing on a little bit, right? We got, we got a good idea. We got a pretty good idea of, of who this guy is, what he's about, but there's a little more there we can find out. All right, out let's about. do it. So, I think one of the best ways to find out what he's about is to find out who he hates and who he okay. loves. So we've mentioned before, right, obviously George Soros. Hates George Soros. Can't stand the guy. He also despises Cass Sunstein, okay. uh, who is a very prominent law professor, very well known, writes a lot of highly regarded articles that are cited in courts and other law review journals. And he was the head of the Office of Information and Regulatory Affairs under Obama, or OIRA is what it's known as. Uh, he had a long-running hatred for Cass Sunstein because that office is in charge of, like it sounds, regulatory affairs. Mm. And it often and he handles hates a lot regulations. of regulatory gotta, review, yeah. obviously. Van Jones, we've already brought up before, right? He had a long-running feud with Van Jones and was probably part of the reason why Van Jones ended up resigning from his uh, advisory position to the president. He also hates John Holdren, who led the Office of Science and Technology under President mm -hmm. Obama. And according to Glenn Beck, John Holdren was going to force abortions on the public and put sterilants in the drinking water so people couldn't cool. have children. Cool, 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 cool. And if you think I'm exaggerating, it. I'm not. I, I mean, just I find it very interesting that nobody seems to have a concern at all that the people John Holdren, our science czar, who believes in the sterilization of man. No. You have so many people running around this White House and around the circle of power now that believe that man is a virus that is killing the planet. It's not a fucking Dan Brown novel. Like You have Monsanto, a company that is making genetically modified seeds that sterilize our food supply, what? our natural oh, food supply. Oh, is he going to do a food supply thing again? <laughs> we don't know what we're doing with food. Bet your ass. So it doesn't go into it in that clip, but I'm sure, I'm sure there was a, a food storage. Monsanto doesn't want you to know. Soon. Yes. So part of the reason why I bring that up is, again, it's another link between Alex Jones and Glenn Beck. And Glenn Beck, in my perception, is the mainstreaming of conspiracy thought. That's what his role is in the right-wing media sure. sphere, is to mainstream things that wackos like Alex Jones say, because he's definitely more accepted among... Yeah, and it's uh, that thing of, like, more, if you can more... make a case for it, then why not try? Right? Like, sure. So that's, I'm that's just what his asking questions. But Alex Jones, right? It's that. Alex yeah. Jones is constantly talking about how they want to sterilize you. And he's been saying it for decades. That is a huge Alex Jones talking point. So continuing on, of course, President Obama, Glenn Hayes. Yeah, obviously. Not surprising at all. Uh, another one of the conspiracies he promoted under Obama was the FEMA camp conspiracy. Are you uh, familiar with yeah, that one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
yeah, that FEMA is creating these camps where they're going to intern everyone yeah, yeah, who yeah. goes against whatever the government does. It morphs as it needs of course to, it does. whatever the bullshit of the day is. But I think it's also interesting to look at the people that he loves. Okay, let's hear it. And one of those who I think is highly important to knowing Glenn Beck is a guy named W. Cleon Scout. Oh, what a Are name. You familiar I am not, but I would that love is, to be. It's a hell of a name, isn't it? It's a hell of a name. I'm w. always Cleon intrigued Scouts. by people that have an, a, an initial as a first name. You know? Right? I, maybe his first... I didn't look up what his actual first name is, but it's probably embarrassing. It's like Winston or Winchell. It's Winchell probably. Winchell. So Cleon sounded much better. Winchell Scalzen. Uh, probably got him beat up too many times. W. Cleon Skousen is a prolific writer and a super, a lifelong supporter of the John Birch Society. Okay. Are you familiar with the John I've, Birch Society? I've heard of it. I'm not intimately familiar. John Birch Society is an organization created in the United States, and I don't remember around what time, but I want to say it was 1920s, 1930s, that is radically anti-communist oh, cool. and pro-conspiracy bullshit. Good stuff. These are the people who claimed that Dwight D. Eisenhower was a communist. Great, cool. Because he was desegregating schools. His first name they was also, Willard, of course. by the way. Okay, good to know. But of course, there's a deep undercurrent of racism of in the Why John Birch Society. These are the people, you, you know, they, they of course said that all the civil rights people were, were communists. Everyone was a communist. Everyone was a communist, but especially anyone involved with civil rights. And W. Cleon Skousen, right there with him. So he's written a lot of books, and one of the most well-known of his is called The 5,000-Year Leap, uh, which is a book of pseudo-history about how great the United States is. We've read a dozen of them, basically. But at some point, we may have to read The 5,000-Year right. Leap. And Beck, I'm not just saying that this is an influence on Beck. Glenn Beck has promoted Skousen books on his show, even pushing them to the top of the, the Amazon bestsellers list for a time. And The 5,000-Year Leap is one of those books that he pushed up there. I did a bunch of reading on Skousen. I'm sort of familiar with him because it's also another crossover with Alex Jones. Alex Jones loves W. Cleon Skousen. Um, so there's a lot of crossover there again, and it's, it's just very interesting to see how these things all come together. He has also had an individual named G. Edward Griffin on his television program to promote him and his book, which is called The Creature from Jekyll Island, which is about Federal Reserve conspiracy theories. Of course it theories. is. Why wouldn't it Of be? course. Of course. Uh, G. Edward Griffin, of course, also claims that he has a secret cure to cancer that the FDA is not allowing him to Great. get out. So that... I don't. I think there might be a PA or someone who didn't do the research for Glenn. Let him on the show, or they did and didn't and care. Like, okay, which is this worse. is fine. <laughs> yes. Um, so uh, that's not the end of the bad things he said over the years. Of course, there was the remarks he made after uh, the Norway uh, bombing and attack in uh, 2011. Of course, um, you're, you're familiar with that. I'm, I'm, I'm sure. I'm actually not um, familiar with what he said. Oh, well, I can play. Oh, it for good. You. Let's do it. So, Saturday, um, I was um, following the news uh, of the shooting in Norway and the explosion in Norway, which happened, what, on Friday? Yeah, the, mm -hmm. the explosion was, and then we left the air, and, right. and then he went to, uh, you know, the camp. Yeah, well, when, when we heard the uh, explosion, everybody was willing to say, it's Muslim extremists, it's Muslim extremists. I don't think we made a comment on it because we didn't know other than there was a bombing that happened. And as the thing started to unfold and then there was a shooting at a 
political camp, which sounds a little like, you know, the Hitler Youth or whatever. I mean, who does a camp for kids that's all about politics? A bunch of politics? kids that have just died. Yeah. Great. Cool. So that's not the, great yeah, there. Great, not great. That's that, of course, was a massive tragedy where a an individual went and massacred uh, a bunch of kids who were at a summer camp for um, uh, basically the youth version of uh, the one of the political the parties party, in Norway. Essentially, yeah, the Labor Party. Yeah, it was just a summer. Ca- I mean, f- we have fucking young young Republicans and young Democrats in the United States. It's not, and they have fucking camps and shit. They do retreats. It's not crazy, uh, but of course, Glenn Ever the Shock Jock comes firing out of the hole. With that nonsense, mm-hmm. so that's that's Glenn Beck's history, and that brings us up to present day, okay. right? Of course, he went on that apology tour in 2016 yep. that you mentioned. Yeah, yeah. Um, we're all we're all pretty familiar with that. That was pretty widely publicized. I think a lot of us saw it as mostly a joke. Yeah, and or, of course, it yeah, sh- just self-serving as hell. The Glenn Beck is sorry about all that bullshit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Shouldn't really be surprising to most people that he has basically turned around on yeah. that now. Uh, and from late last or last year, or actually this is May 2018. I'm wrong. It wasn't even 20. It was May 2018. Glenn Beck said this on his radio program. Here's why I'm predicting a 2021 <laughs> when I saw you for Trump. <laughs> hey, it's good to laugh it at is, that yeah, right I off the bat. That. Yeah, That's yeah, part yeah. of why I want to put it up there. Front. <laughs> Yesterday. How the press was all reporting the same damn story that Donald Trump was calling MS-13 gang members. They left that out of the story. story. Animals. And they were spinning it as if he was saying that about all immigrants. Mm -hmm. I'd had enough. I'd have enough. That's what broke him. If you can get (laughs) me, Glenn Beck, to do this. Put on a MAGA hat is what he's doing. Okay. And in case you're only listening to us on radio, I just donned a red Make America Great Again hat. So it took him less than two years yep. to turn around, and that was what did Precisely it. Precisely 14 that months later. You know, I have thrown all my principles out the window because the media was mean to the person that I pretend not to like. Great stuff. Yep, it's it's pretty crazy, man. So that's where we are with Glenn Beck today. And next week, um, arguing he... with socialists. Yay! Actually, not next week. The week after. <laughs> the week after next. Next week will be another interstitial episode. Uh, but the week after, we will come back with, of course, arguing with socialists. And I'm I'm excited, and I think I've mentioned this plenty of times because I've wanted for a while now to get a little deeper into the libertarian side of right wing thought. Because I think that's, A, where the Republican Party is and where it's going deeper in the future. I think it's people like Lauren Boebert and Marjorie Taylor Greene, they come much more, even if they don't know it, even if they don't understand libertarianism or have spent any time really thinking about it, those are the ideas that have influenced them. And it's come from people like Glenn Beck who have made their way into the Republican Party and into right-wing thought. So that's where I think they are, and I think that's where they're going, and that's why I think it's going to be interesting uh, to go through this book and learn a little bit more about whatever whatever the hell he's saying. It's also a weird old book. So that's it is a weird book. We haven't even mentioned the book, have we? No. Because this book... It's full of cartoons, folks. (laughs) That I can only presume that Glenn Glenn Beck drew himself. (laughs) I found a comic book that Kevin doesn't like. 
I, I, okay, I did find that there is a Glenn Beck comic book that's just about Glenn really? Beck that somebody else did. Oh, okay. uh, I was not about to buy no. that or read it. I'm not, I'm not giving that kind of money. Uh, but yeah, there are, there are cartoons. All, and of course, they're all, uh, like we have on the front cover, uh, Ilhan Omar, drawn really offensively, uh, Elizabeth Warren with a Native American headdress on, um, all that sort of stuff. That's what you can I expect I will be describing the cartoons in detail. And, and it's not laid out even like a normal book. It's it's literally like all the pages are like a cork board and there's like little things. He literally on didn't know what and... to do without his chalkboard. He was like, no, do I, how no. do I? This is his TV show in book yeah. form. It's fantastic. I'm so excited for that. I cannot wait to get into the book. Uh, and I know Benedict's going to just suffer and cry. No, it's going to be fun. It's going to be fun. But thank you all for listening, and we hope you enjoyed the show. Remember, if you just can't get enough of us, you can go over to patreon.com forward slash NYGBC and become a patron for as little as $2 an episode. For patron-only episodes, shout-outs on the show, drawings to win our copies of the books we read, and more. As always, we have to give a shout-out to our wonderful and amazing patrons... Megan Ruth, Sabi Aquino, Clow Rung the Deceiver, Danielle, Big Easy Blasphemy, Becky Scott Fairley, Stephen and Cindy Dimmick, AJ Brantley, Taro Takanen, Skeptical Seventh, and Andrew Jenko. Thank you all, as always, for being our patrons, and we will be sending the book out promptly. And uh, Taro Takanen, if you have not gotten your copy of the last book it's yet, on the way. which has been, it has been mailed, I have been informed, I deeply apologize for the long wait, for one thing. But yeah, that's something. I just about had to text Benedict every day for a month to get the damn thing. That's set. not untrue. But it and is, that's on me. It is, it is on the way. It will be arriving. Uh, but we love I you all. Thank you all so much. I was trying to protect you from Donald Trump Jr., to be fair. <laughs> Nobody, you know, it might be illegal to send that to Europe. It might be illegal <laughs> to send that book there. I'm not 100% sure. <laughs> Fascist agitation I'm going to get arrested for next time I try to go to Europe. Anyways, that's it for this week's show. Till next time, the Hulk lives. Goodbye. Goodbye. Club Podcast is a production of Kevin and Benedict Productions. Copyright 2020. All rights reserved. Music for this podcast is by Silverman Sound Studios. Find out more at silvermansound.com.